0: Welcome to Funny They Don't Look Jewish, where Judaism appears in the panels. Our purpose is to find characters, stories, and issues of comics that explore explicitly Jewish content. I'm Brandon Bernstein. I'm Henry Bernstein. No, no really. relation. Well, hello, Henry. So good Hi. to see you again. Well, not see you, but hear your voice at the very least. It's great to hear your voice as well. I'm especially proud of us because we're recording like two weeks after our last episode instead of letting two months go by, <laughs> <laughs> Or four months
1: or the whole summer. Or yeah, <laughs> however long it might be. We're, yeah.
0: we're back, baby. We're doing yeah. it for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are we doing? Well, I thought that... That we would continue uh, since last time it was so much fun revisiting our old friends and seeing what we might've missed. Let's keep going with it. You know, we're doing our own sort of version of like, you did your uh, listening silently and now we're going to repeat it out loud with the superheroes. Judaism's full of opportunities. What happens when we finish reading the Torah? We go back and read it from the beginning. What happens when we finish a tractate of Talmud? We say Hadranaloch Talmud. We're going to return to you. So Hadranalach Ragman, Hadranalach, other superheroes. But you hear who we're starting with. We're going back, Henry, and we're going to get a couple comics that we missed the first time around that show us a bit more Jewish content, both in a positive and a negative light. So (laughs) uh, let's start with the good stuff. I think that's a great thing.
1: Let's start with the good stuff. We're looking at The All-New Batman, The Brave and the Bold, Volume 1, Number 14, Small Miracles, written by Sholly Fish, penciled by Rick Burkett inked by Dan Davis, colored by Guy Major, lettered by Desi Siente, and edited by Jim Chadwick. So I see a familiar name there, Brandon, from one of our most favorite episodes. This was written by Sholly
0: Fish. Good old Sholly Shalom Fish. What a mensch, what a guy, what a writer. I'm, of course, talking about our Colossal Boy
1: episode where we read a delightful story by Shally Fish where the
0: Teen Titans celebrate Hanukkah. And, you know, another piece in common that's interesting, Henry is the Colossal Boy episode that Teen Titans Go comic was based on the cartoon. Now we're following a comic once again in the style of a cartoon. And that's why we missed it the first time. This is outside main DC continuity. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, part of the expanded multiverse. But uh, but more realistically, listeners, you may or may not be aware that once upon a time, there was a Batman cartoon. Not the ever-loved 90s Batman cartoon that I was hooked on, but rather uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold. Did you ever watch that show, Henry? I've seen bits and pieces, certainly
1: not live. I mean, I, of course, I watched Batman the Animated Series as it was airing uh, as a middle schooler. Certainly... I've like checked in on his other ones like there's a CGI show he had for a while called The Batman I think there's been like a couple cartoons since then that haven't been quite as good so I I've seen bits and pieces this is definitely oriented towards kids it's like you know
0: Marvel superhero adventures that that comic Exactly cartoon. yeah Yeah exactly it's very much it's in an animated style. It's more geared towards kids, which by the way, love when there's comic books for kids because I got into comic books as a kid. I want kids to be able to read them. But yeah, it's very much, you can see the influence of the uh, the Paul Dini sort of house style that was started at the Batman animated series and went on to Justice League and 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 all those others. And eventually, The Brave and the Bold is sort of a, a bit more of a, an edgier version. And we see it in the style, you know, it's almost like animated house style of the art that um, mm-hmm. Rick Burkett is giving us. So starting off, we have narration that brings my heart such joy to read the words, of course... Not everyone celebrates Christmas. I love it. It's a, it's a quote-unquote Christmas comic, holiday comic that starts off showing some people around a Christmas tree, I believe, like celebrating. But then, of course, not everyone celebrates Christmas. And then it moves us to the familiar to us. If you've listened to our Ragman episode, and if you haven't, maybe pause this, go back, give it a listen, come back to us once you're familiar. We see the now familiar to you, Rags and Tatters shop, where our good friend Rory is working, and we see a customer who's another rabbi. This is Rabbi Samuels, I believe. This makes it the third rabbi we've covered, having some sort of relationship. Ragman, but With Rory, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So Rabbi Samuels is going on and on about the fact that a shul needs repairs. And beyond that, he also needs to somehow get the money for the Hanukkah celebration, which is tomorrow night. And I'm, you know, I'm a little baffled. Usually, you know, Hanukkah is not exactly the most, the most important holiday, but like, you're planning it more than a day in advance. So usually you should get right. the funds like, a little earlier. And right. I would like,
1: think like the board, you know, at least, you know, okay, let's look at our budget for the year. What is, what are we spending on the Hanukkah party this year? Like you think about like the yeah. one thing at your, yeah. so, at your fledgling shul that will definitely get people to come whenever we have our Hanukkah party. So
0: you think they would have, you know, even if it was yes. you know, something, <laughs> but in the cruel slums of lower Gotham, there's not even the budget for that. And so, right. So (laughs) Rabbi Samuels needs money to repair his shul. I would like to make a donation to
1: Rabbi Samuels' shul. So at the very least that they can have a proper Hanukkah party next year.
0: Listeners, we've set up a GoFundMe to help (laughs) Rabbi Samuels and his Hanukkah party in 5783. Uh, (laughs) All right. Rabbi Samuels is trying to basically, because it's a pawn shop, he's trying to pawn Um, His watch and Rory Mensch that he is refuses to take it And just loans the rabbi the money To which the rabbi responds You're a good boy Rory Just like your father Jerry rest his soul
1: And by the way He owns a pawn shop but Jews can't charge other Jews interests so I, I'm sure Rory is like
0: upholding ah. that, that Jewish law and not going to charge the rabbi interest of course maybe the rabbi was just testing him he was like <laughs> you've passed you've passed your halakhic exam <laughs> so but the rabbi does have discerning eyes because he notices up in the corner a menorah that is not being used and encourages Rory to take it down and use it but Henry I believe you have a, a slight issue with this menorah well
1: once again, we see a seven-branched menorah. Now, if that was going to be used for the Sabbath in the temple, or even just in a home, fine. But it's clearly meant for Hanukkah, which means that, I'm sorry, Rick Burkett, I don't mean to call you out. You didn't do your homework. You
0: didn't talk to Shali. God, we need to like come up with a sound of like, like a ding positive and a uh, buzz for artists drawing kanakias, Um And when yeah, they like, get it right and when they get it wrong. Yeah, like maybe like a really good Takiyah versus like a sputtering, Ooh. you know, uh, shofar. <laughs> yeah, the low sputtering shofar. Although respect to every shofar blower. I know it's not easy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, totally. So, but we're not I mean, talking but, but about the shofar. Seriously, Brandon. Oh, But seriously, Brandon, like how
1: how many times have we seen this in a comic and we've seen Hanukkah a million times. And I feel like we're talking about this a lot, about the seven or six or five branch menorah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing I can think is that, you know, they're clearly not thinking ahead to send reference material. And so the artists are Googling these things on their own and uh, they see menorah and they probably see, you know, this is actually funny. I have seen the discourse shift over time for a while there I remember people used to be like on Hanukkah it's not a menorah it's a Hanukkah we should call it something different because it's you know the the menorah is the seven branched one that goes in the temple and the -hmm. the Hanukkah is the nine branched one we use at Hanukkah and then I saw people responding and kind of being like oh you're so pedantic calling it a Hanukkah it's a Mm -hmm. menorah is fine just so I've seen it go back and forth but one advantage of having two separate terms might be the fact that then when people are looking them up for reference, they don't mix the two up anyway. I uh, feel like
1: it's okay to, to use both terms depending on who you're talking to. And I, yeah, I I feel like in a comic, it's okay to call it a menorah.
0: Oh, 100%. I'm fine. You get the
1: number of branches. Right
0: totally yeah 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 yeah. i i don't care what people call it and I, right. I just find it interesting and funny that yeah. i've seen those shifts and back and forth anyway rory wouldn't know why we're making such a fuss about these specifics because he goes on to say he's not religious so he's not going to light the hanukkah uh, menorah and oh love you rabbi samuels he responds not even to light a menorah nonsense jersey reganowitz might have changed his name to jerry Regan when he came to america but he wouldn't and he kind of trails off i love that a this captures that sort of jewish immigrant experience that fear of assimilation the idea of people being less and less involved but also like i don't know like Shally. i feel like even even the like least religious and like even jews i know who will come up to me and be like oh i'm a bad jew i don't do anything a lot of times they're still gonna light the hanukkah like it's not like lighting the menorah they're like whoa too religious for me they're just like sure I'll, I'll light it if it's around
1: i guess people don't know what to do with rory writers specifically like he's either both deeply troubled and traumatized by his judaism or he just knows all these jews and like rabbis and talks to them and it's fine
0: Yeah and he like somehow knows The weirdest things And then it's like <laughs> right. there's like very common things Where it's like no no Lighting right. lighting a menorah at Hanukkah is Too Jewish for me Right. A few pages later We see that what appears to be Gangsters have invaded the synagogue Just think of your typical uh, Gotham hoodlum from Your animated Batman show of choice And they're shooting out a window And Rabbi Samuels is Shocked at the fact that they're trying to kick him out I should get out from my own shul What chutzpah? I'm going no place So he has uh, drawn a line in the sand and insisted This is his place The gangsters say that it's their neighborhood And then, what do you know The entire neighborhood shows up for the rabbi To support him Along with Ragman And, this shouldn't be a surprise Given what comic it is I'm Batman So we actually have literally this moment where Batman comes and saves the rabbi and we're going to go ahead and read some dialogue. So uh, Henry, you can be rabbi Batman. I'll keep being the rabbi. Good work. You keep them safe and I'll do the same for the rabbi. Give that Cossack one for me. Batman. (laughs) I love a like joyfully cheering little rabbi encouraging Batman to beat up thugs, but like, I don't understand why Like, this rabbi is such a stereotype that somehow every enemy of the Jews, even a gangster in 21st century U.S., is somehow uh, uh, from the 19th century Russian army.
1: Right. Like, it, like what's uh, what's Shali working out here on the page? You know, like, what, what, what kind of inherited generational, like, Ashkenazi Jewish trauma is he <laughs> trying C- to work Cossacks,
0: out? Cossacks everywhere.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, and it's also really cool to to hear Batman, to see Batman very joyfully. This is not like grim and dark Batman. This is like smiley Batman. And he's like yes. so happy to be helping a rabbi. And that's like, that's awesome.
0: That's just it's, great. It's amazing. It's wonderful to see that. And like the rabbi cheers him on. Yeah. They finish the fight. And Rabbi Samuels is cleaning up after the mess. I love it because uh, this rabbi is not afraid to do his own manual labor. Uh, Reminds me of all the wonderful rabbis I know who spend time setting up chairs in the shul, prepping for the events themselves, putting up the tables like, you know, he's not afraid to do this stuff.
1: I I don't think this shul has a full-time maintenance person. I don't think they can afford it.
0: Are you telling me the shul that didn't have money for the Hanukkah party (laughs) the night before the Hanukkah party might be struggling to retain staff? Rabbi Samuel says, even though it's kind of a, you know, difficult neighborhood, he stays there because the people need him. And worse has happened to him at this time of year, right? Thugs coming in and shooting up the place, bah, he's seen worse. Which then leads us into the obligatory retelling of the Hanukkah story. Which, <laughs> of course. Honestly, at this point in the podcast, Henry, like, I, I just... I. Yeah. You all know it. We know it. Yeah. If you don't know it, go listen to a past episode. I'm pretty sure we talked about it in the Kitty Pride episode. I'm pretty sure we talked about it in a possibly. Oh, oh, we definitely talked about it in the Colossal Boy episode. You can hear us cover the Hanukkah story. In the um, in
1: the Doc Samson episode, we talked about
0: yeah, that. Yeah, so. we talked about it. So <laughs> anyway, we get this lovely multi-panel page that tells an accurate but fairly parved version of the Hanukkah story, there's Greek soldiers, there's Maccabees, there's a miracle, there's no oil, etc. But by the way, there's there's the the menorah in
1: this. And I mean, an actual menorah because it's seven branches is awesome.
0: It's a massive, it like takes up a whole panel. It's like, it's like 10 feet tall. Visually, it's gorgeous. I mean, it was, they were inspired by his work writing that story with Colossal Boy.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. He looked at that and he was like, menorahs are giant, right? They're the size of cities. <laughs> so, anyway, the rabbi tells the whole story. Rory in the guise of Ragman is less impressed. He says, that was a long time ago. No miracles today. He reminds me of every Hebrew school student I ever had being like, why aren't there miracles now if God used to do them all the time for us, mm-hmm. right? Like kids ask it, adults ask it. It's a question worth asking.
1: This is this is a guy who literally has a enchanted robe that gives him powers <laughs> that encases all the souls of dead people and he's wondering where the miracles are all
0: right you make a very good point it's a good point Henry. it just kind of reminds me like the silliness of a world of superheroes where you have like an alien from krypton who comes in it's like what things that we think of as absurd conspiracy theories and fiction like what becomes beyond the pale of belief for those right. ones. Like, I love the right. idea that he's like, I have a magic suit and I've met an alien from another planet and fought alongside them, but miracles? Come is on. That exa- right? Believe like, that? <laughs> Superhero comics. I love them, but I love it even more when we get a tiny bit of Torah, like Sholly puts in the words of this rabbi who says that every single person around them is a miracle. Ugh. Even Ragman. My heart. It reminds me of, I feel like, uh, very commonly when I was in rabbinical school and would get to the part of the prayer service that, uh, right, the the sort of morning blessings or what we would call nasim bechol yom, the miracles of daily life, where you go through and bless God for allowing you to open your eyes and be able to clothe the naked and be able to, you know, even stand up, right? Like all these sorts of things, like it reminds you like, oh, actually like life itself is quite miraculous. Us showing up for each other is miraculous. So, right, it's like it's very sweet. The rabbi says this and the rabbi goes on. Who needs Superman? You're missing the point of the Hanukkah miracle. God could have made the jar of oil burn forever, not just eight days. Or he could have helped the Jews find hundreds of jars, not just one. Instead, he provided just enough. Why? To teach us that, even though nobody gets everything they want, God gives us what we need. It's Mm -hmm. some beautiful Torah, Brought to us by Sholly Fish, Beshem Keith Richards. Do you
1: think he, um nice Rolling Stones reference there. Thank you. Thank you. Such a good song. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> now, now I'm going to go on a Stones rant. <laughs>
0: I, like, I like the slow catch up of like the song as Henry's like, I want to keep it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah.
1: I wonder if he heard this at like a, you know, in a sermon somewhere or, you know, at Shul or if he, or maybe a rabbi, like, you know, maybe he was at Shul, like the the Shabbat before Hanukkah and like, that's what he heard in the sermon or something. I don't know.
0: As I was reading it, I was literally just thinking to myself, dang it, why didn't I look into whether or not this Torah is like some mm, Hasidic Torah mm. from somewhere? Or like, like I, I wish that I could find... So, listeners, if you have heard this Torah before about the oil being just enough to teach you that you get just enough and just what you need, please let us know. I would love to know the source for it. Um, Shali, if you're somehow listening and you know, would love to hear it. And if it is your Torah, gosh, <laughs> sir. Well done. So... In the follow-up to the follow-up, the next day, the rabbi rushes in joyfully to tell Rory, who he did not know was Ragman, or maybe he did, rabbis sometimes are very perceptive in these stories, but he rushes in to tell Rory that an anonymous donation came in for the shul with enough money to cover all the repairs and the Hanukkah celebration. The implication, of course, being that Bruce Wayne provided that anonymous donation and yeah like uh henry how uh how do you know that it wasn't someone jewish who gave the donation
1: i don't know brandon how do you
0: know it wasn't someone jewish that gave the donation because they kept it anonymous Ba-dum-ch! Ba-dum-ch! <laughs> I also love the idea of like, if it wasn't anonymous and then it's just like the Bruce Wayne synagogue of lower Gotham. Right.
1: Right. Right. Well, that's so (laughs) funny because Wayne does put his name on everything, but does he put it on charities? I feel like he definitely puts it on like his businesses, but
0: I wonder, I mean, in this case, it's probably anonymous because otherwise the rabbi's like, why did Bruce Wayne give money to my (laughs) synagogue? Like, I'm sure at some point, like, you know, there's like,
1: you know, the Bruce Wayne home for Wayward boys or something, you know, over the last 80 oh, years really. of Batman. I'm sure there's like Wayne things, but that would be so funny, like the
0: the Bruce Wayne Gotham Jewish Day School, you know, like Can, oh, it would be amazing. It would be amazing. Can you also imagine if there was like some guy at the irs just like reviewing the tax information for wayne industries and was like how come bruce wayne makes anonymous donations at all these places where batman fought once oh my god
1: (laughs) (laughs) it makes me think though it makes me also think about i really like the idea of batman interacting with the jewish community of gotham city because like in the Marvel Universe, we know what the New York Jewish community is. We know, you know, if you've ever been to New York or you're Jewish, like, I would love to know what what the different Jewish communities of the D.C. cities are. Metropolis and Gotham are allegories for New York. Is their Jewish community exactly the same?
0: You know, I no. But- we know that there's a Jewish community that's worried about Cossacks. There's another one that's worried about <laughs> Crusaders. There's another one that's worried about Nazis. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's true. I mean, we've seen the Jewish community in Opal
0: City. We've seen it in Gotham. Yeah. After learning about the donation, Rory thinks to himself, maybe that rabbi was right after all about small miracles. And so he pulls down the menorah to light. And the true Hanukkah miracle of the story, Henry, is that now the menorah has nine branches. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same menorah from earlier in the comic. But now it magically grew two extra branches. (laughs) It's a Hanukkah miracle. (laughs) And uh, he pulls it down, and we see him saying, I love Shali's approach to Brachas in this. He's clearly a writer who does not want to write out uh, the fullness of the blessing and say, right. God's name. A blessing is, a blessing is defined as having Shem malchut, or the name and uh, dominion or kingship of God. So, um, you know, to be able to say a blessing in a way that it's not lavatala, not um, in vain, you just say the end part of the blessing rather than the uh, the common opening. So we get that end part who performed miracles for our forefathers and foremothers in those days at this time. And then the story ends with the lovely image of a menorah lit in the window of rags and tatters while Batman watches and enjoys. Oh, so good, uh, enjoys the light. Don't you wish someone would
1: have invited him to the Hanukkah part? So it light with him and we would have gotten, I mean, obviously it's not in his character. Like of course, Batman's going to be watching over from afar, but it's a kid's comic. Like what if Batman could have Exactly.
0: Lived? It's a kid's comic and it's a holiday comic. They wouldn't think twice about Batman showing up to like save Santa Claus right. at a, a Christmas party. So like, yeah, you're right. It would be lovely to see Batman like, Playing with the kids at uh, at the Shul Hanukkah celebration, but yeah, I don't want to take anything away. Like it's
1: it's a great, great. And I'll post the images as I always do uh, on our Facebook, and it's a great image of like Batman silhouette looking over rags and tatters with a huge, correctly branched Hanukkah. I think in the yeah in the um, in the window, and I, I just you know I always I'm too I get do I get too greedy? I always want like a little more, even when it's really good.
0: You know, I'm really glad you asked that because I've been thinking about this also. I think it's not that you get too greedy because I also feel those ways. It's that I think as much as we found content to fill this podcast there really is not nearly as much Jewish content as I would like there to be. And so when I find something really good, it's just so, it's such a taste of what I love mm-hmm. that I can't help but be like, oh, and I i want this little bit more. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's in it, if you give a mouse a cookie, right? If you give a Henry a, a Jewish representation in comic books, uh, he's going to ask for more, maybe. But I think it's really just like, how can you not point to it and be like, yes, this, 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 but more of this? I'd like to see even more. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know.
1: you know, like there are TV shows and characters where, like, clearly not it's not the main focus, but a large part of the show involves Judaism. Like, you know, like popular popular shows like uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel, right? Something like that, or Career Enthusiasm this past season. Like, and I think what I, I think what would make me not like want more in these moments is if there was just for the characters that are Jewish and are re- regularly written. If just one little realistic aspect of Judaism was peppered in here and there, like if, if, you know, like the thing or Kitty pride, like someone who we see regularly had something mildly Jewish, just to remind you, like, that's a part of their character. Then maybe when like, you know, we save it up for the big Jewish moment, I'm not like let down a little bit, maybe, I don't know.
0: Yeah, 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 it could be. This was a great issue. This was a. It was an amazing issue, and I really have no complaints, especially compared to what we're going to cover next. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame we do these things in uh, chronological order. <laughs> Because now we're going to rain down fire
0: (laughs) It's fine Look, we started good We're going to go down But like I know for a fact that the episode ends on a good note So we'll be fine In 2017, Ragman received a brand new series The third volume of Ragman As part of DC Rebirth Uh, Henry, besides a branding initiative What was DC Rebirth?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, for one thing, that's that's truly what it was. We have to go back a little further. In 2011, DC Comics made a drastic choice to end 70 years of continuity, essentially, and just start from scratch all of their all of their comics. So, what that means is that, like, and by seven years of continuity, I really mean since 1986. So, not
0: 70 years, like 25 years, whatever. Uh, Right 30 years DC Comics As opposed to Marvel Is sort of known For every I don't know Few decades Or however long Deciding that they want to Like clean up the multiverse And clean up continuity And so 1986 gave us Crisis on Infinite Earths Which is right That famous story That eliminated the multiverse And brought us Just one Prime universe Right And so then they
1: brought The multiverse back And whatever Everything was going along fine Like everything Comic sales were dipping uh, in 2000, you know, I would say between like 2005 and 2010. So they drastically at the um, really at the Hest of Dan Dio, uh, was no, no longer at D.C., they 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 scratched everything they ended every comic and started with a new number 1 and it wasn't just a new numbering system it was a new new origins for everyone so superman was now a young kid in metropolis with a t-shirt and jeans batman they didn't reboot they let that keep going they just wrote some good stories of course batman got the most attention and it was bad like it the first couple series of the big ones like well, Batman stayed consistently good throughout, but Superman had Grant Morris writing was good. Most of them were, were, were okay at first, but it just got bad. And if they thought things were bad in 2010, no one was interested in DC comics in like 2015. And, and the people that were, did care about them were pissed. Cause we we wanted our DC back. So they, they kind of, it was both lame and awesome. They relaunched everything again and called it rebirth and this is in 2016 and what this relaunch was was going back to the dc continuity that was started in 1986 but incorporating some of the good stuff from new 52 it was great it was done really well but it was kind of lame it was kind of like look we're fixing that thing that we totally screwed up for the last five years and so with that a lot of new series Started too because it was kind of like a little bit of a boom for DC Comics in 2016. Like I remember going and just buying everything from Rebirth that that day. You know when when it started, and so we got to see a new
0: uh, Ragman series. Great. So yeah, I remember. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but. As the lifelong Marvel reader who mostly only read good DC stories that were recommended to me via trade paperback, New 52 was the time when I, for the first time in my life, like added titles to my weekly pull list and was just buying DC on a monthly basis, and that continued. So for what it's worth, they gained at least one fan. Other than Batman? <laughs> yeah, I was collecting. I was getting Wonder Woman. I was getting Justice League Dark. I was getting uh-huh. I, Vampire. I was getting Swamp Thing. I was getting Animal Man. I think for a while there. Yeah, those I, were the
1: best ones. Yeah,
0: I, I, I had pretty good taste, if I don't uh, <laughs> cheat my own horn too much. Um, yeah, and then, unfortunately, you know, in Rebirth, I continued with some titles, and then, uh, you know, it dwindled, and now I kind of do a mix, but uh, that's not what matters, but, like, great. Alright, so, thanks. Uh, we've got this this new opportunity. We've got Rebirth, and as you said, Henry, they've kind of, like, Returned to old continuity where they want to, kept new 52 stuff where they want to, and started completely over where they wanted to, especially with tertiary characters like Ragman. Mm. So for whatever reason, they once again updated Ragman's origins. You may remember from uh the episode where we first covered him, he was the son of a Holocaust survivor and he inherited those rags from his Holocaust survivor father. Um and probably because in 2016 it's a little harder for a 20-something year old to be the son of a Holocaust survivor than it was, you know, in the early 1990s. So they updated his origin and uh Rory is now a special ops veteran who, well, we'll save the specifics for the actual issue. So
1: uh, where are we starting, Henry? We're looking at Ragman volume three, number one, December, 2017 Ragman chapter one, return fire written by Ray Fox, penciled and inked by Inaki Miranda colored by Eva de La Cruz, lettered by Josh Reed edited by Marie Javins and Diego Lopez. So as you said, Rory is now a special ops and the first opening panel is kind of cool. It says somewhere in the Israeli desert and it actually looks more like Petra. It looks exactly like
0: Petra. Have you ever been to Petra, I, Jordan, I feel like I could pick up pictures that I took in Petra and hold it side by side. And it's like, this is really this. I mean, I got to Petra by crossing over in a lot in the negative deserts, so, but like, right. yeah, it feels much more like Petra.
1: Well, like if you've seen the last scene of, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That's what this panel looks like. It's that, you know, sort of that classical pillar type temple looking thing carved out of a rock. And by the way, in Petra, that's just a facade. There's that you can't go in it like in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. But anyway, <laughs> the special ops team is supposedly in Israel, but they're in Petra, and they're sneaking into what what they're calling quote. A holy temple they said the the dialogue is you sure about this miller anybody finds out we even set foot in this holy temple we'll be eating blank for blank years so
0: which like are they like at the temple mount right like what do they
1: mean by holy temple like for my if you're in israel and something is called the holy temple that just means the temple like Right. It feels like you're in Jerusalem, not in the desert. They wouldn't be in the desert. So already yeah, that just seems like they're sort of using Israel and these words as like generic stand-ins for something old and ancient. And because Rory is Jewish, it like sort of ties in, but that's not really what he means. Like in the way that like the temple of doom, another Indiana Jones reference is a temple, but they wouldn't be an a holy temple in the israeli desert like that th- there aren't any of those <sighs> by the way
0: ragman and the holy temple of doom I
1: love it <laughs> so uh um, Rory doesn't remember what happened, but the rags were discovered in that temple, and
0: now yeah there's actually like this whole it's like it's almost like they found a sarcophagus they like find this like box or like coffin and they open it up and it's like, what could be contained within? And it's like the rags as though they were this like deep secret that was being kept
1: away. Right. Like as if like we're supposed to know about these incredible rags. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, you know, if you remember the rags when he was wrapped up in them, it would be the souls of anyone Like evil that he killed was that who was talking to him when he was back back in the old one?
0: Yeah, I mean it would like absorb the souls, and I think it was later writers like especially I remember like in Shadow Pact, Bill Willingham made it like specifically, yeah, the souls of the evil people killed would talk to him. Yeah, (laughs) so all of Rory's friends died, and now they're the ones who are talking to him through the rags, and I guess because they were special ops, it's like they're evil enough to be absorbed by the rags.
1: Well, right. So, like, are we assuming that rags take on all souls or like eat just killers, so, like people who are killers? Right.
0: I, yeah, let's work with that.
1: Like, I, I think like killers would be taken. That makes sense to me. Whereas they were his fathers from the Holocaust. Now his father has nothing to do with the rags. Right. A legacy hero, no more. And that's really it for that for that issue.
0: We yeah, well, there's one last thing, which like just oh, set up for the go next ahead. issue, Yeah. Go um, ahead. which is that uh, we don't know who it is, but a group of individuals like Rory's father is attacked, right? Totally separate from the rags, but Rory's father is attacked and the end of the first issue makes you believe that he's killed. But in actuality, we'll see in the next issue. He's just uh, uh, he's he's alive and in the hospital. So in Ragman volume three, number two came out in January, 2018, same creative team. So we don't need to get into that. We end up eventually seeing Ragman fighting this like really demonic looking creature, this demonic villain who says to Ragman, thou may not believe in hell, Rory Reagan, but hell knows thee. We are Ruach Tuma." and thou hast our attention mm-hmm. and then they disappear because it's very dramatic in that way so it's lots of king james bible language a lot of using the vows because mm-hmm. i guess they think it sounds more formal and mm-hmm. i always love how like <laughs> it's just always funny right like like the king james bible was an attempt to translate um either you know it was an attempt to translate the language the bible into uh more familiar language for the reader at the time and that was actually like the more intimate form like you was high register when you didn't really know someone thou implied intimacy mm. so it's just so funny that it was like intended to be this language that was like oh like god's talking to us and god feels so close to us we feel so close to god with all this thou language and then like it has become the like high level Shakespearean biblical, like it sounds so removed and distant and fancy. So it's just kind of funny. And like somehow this linguistic choice that people made to try and make it more accessible, like now everyone's convinced that's how all angels and demons speak. Like it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's knowing behind the scenes makes a lot of fiction difficult
1: to, to get mm-hmm. through sometimes. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that about, about uh, that kind of about language. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, like we, you know, like in Spanish, there's like two and usted. So two right. is like right. you is like oh, I'm familiar and I know you. And usted is more respectful. Right. So you used to be that more respectful version, and thou was like oh Henry, we're, we're friends. Thou, thou art <laughs> mine close friend. Um, anyway, um, w- the one piece of Jewish content because you may notice the King James Bible is not a Jewish Bible, but what is what is Jewish here is that this creature self identifies as ruach tuma which is hebrew for like an impure spirit a spirit of impurity a wind of impurity right like tuma is the language that's used like when somebody like needs to go and use the mikvah because they have a touch, something that's tame, right? Like if they're tame and they're impure or unclean, they're all sort of failed translations, but like you have some sort of status about you that makes you need like some sort of ritual purification or cleansing, right? So like they are a spirit of impurity and that's it for issue number two.
1: Pretty cool. uh Like little, thing though <laughs> for for one issue just to mention like cool image and mentioning Ruach Tuma like great name are there any are are there any like references specifically to a Ruach Tuma anywhere? Like is that are you aware of like anything you know like
0: yeah we get um look Ruach Tuma is actually a uh, a reference to uh, Zechariah 13.2 So in Zechariah 13.2 We get our, our our boy Zechariah One of the minor prophets Letting us know the And so it was On that day that the Lord Of hosts declares I will erase the very names Of the idols from the land They shall not be uttered anymore And I will also make The prophets and the unclean spirit vanished from the land. The So we get this biblical prophecy implying that the land of Israel has been filled with all sorts of idolatry. And yet the names of the idols one day will no longer be heard throughout the land and the false prophets it says divin but but it's really like the quote-unquote prophets so the false prophet and the unclean spirit right it's um they avir minharis i will cause it to pass from the land i will erase it right it's this prophecy of like don't worry things will be good again it's actually funny it kind of sounds like um it's like an opposite day it's like anti-god in a certain way which is Mm -hmm. making me think of black hammer but like (laughs) right it's like There's idols, which are the fake gods instead of the real God. There's fake prophets instead of real prophets. And instead of Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit of God, it's Ruach Tumah. The spirit mm. of like impurity. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we get this like little Basuk, it's uh, you know, the word Ruach and Tuma, they both appear, but like this is the place where they appear together. And Rashi has some really interesting commentary where he says that Ruach Tuma is actually just another term for Yetzer Hara or one's evil inclination. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that opens up all sorts of connections because it implies that this thing is like our own base instincts that are always pushing us to do bad things. But of course the rabbis will go on to say that, you know, Yates or hurrah, it's not like something we would get rid of entirely. Like there's, you know, rabbinic fanciful imagination around the idea that if the Yates or hurrah was fully suppressed and we didn't have an evil inclination at all, that like, nobody would accomplish anything because they wouldn't have motivation to do things. Mm -hmm. Nobody would have sex or procreate because they consider that as part of it. Like, there's certain drives for um, fame, success, achievement, sex. Like, all of this is associated with Yeats or Hurrah, which maybe indicates a complex and, and troubling relationship that the rabbis had with some of those concepts. But, you know, I think it just sort of implies that, like, nothing even in the torah and even in the in the tanakh like nothing is true true evil like everything Mm -hmm. has some redemptive feature to it Mm -hmm. um anyway so so this you know they appear to be a reference to like the evil unclean spirit of the land that god's going to wipe away at one point well let's talk about what happens in the next issue Ragman volume three number
1: three february same crew so on page 49 rory's talking to his father and In the hospital. Brandon, do you want to, should we uh, read this?
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get this conversation between father and son. Roy's father says, what kind of world would this be without sympathy? They said
1: they were Ruach tuma, Pop, unclean spirits. Remember the old stories? Like the ones Rabbi Luria used to tell us? But I got a line on them. I'm going to see if I can help the police.
0: You got a line on them. I think they were looking for you, Rory. Is there something you should tell me? Rory, I'm your father. What is it you don't want me to know?
1: Pop, this is going to sound crazy.
0: And then Rory tells his father the story of the rags and, you know, introduces his father to Ragman. Because once again, his father no longer once was the Ragman. It's really weird, Henry, to (laughs) go from one version of Ragman who says... I'm not religious enough to light the menorah. <laughs> to another version of Ragman, who's like, yeah, you know the Ruach Tuma father, just like the rabbi used to tell us. Everybody knows Ruach Tuma. <laughs> I had to Google where in the menorah, like where. Yeah,
1: I had Tanakh to ask Tumah. you what it was, and you had to Google it, like. <laughs> I mean, what ruach? I, what stories of ruach tuma is he? Is Rabbi Lurie telling Luria them?
0: Is saying, Please, please find me the synagogue where everybody comes up and and like they, like somehow they're like, yeah, I can recite shema, I can read from the Torah for my bar mitzvah, and I know all about the ruach tuma.
1: <laughs> Maybe like, Rory, is it possible Rory had this passage from? Zachariah for his Haftorah and his Bar Mitzvah. If he had a Bar Mitzvah,
0: there is a Haftorah for that that comes from Zachariah two to four. But this is from zacharia 13. All so no dice. All right. No dice. All right. All right. No dice. <laughs> all right. Well, then we um, should probably
1: move on to, to the page 76 in issue number four.
0: All right. <laughs> Ragman, volume four, number four. Um, and this is where we get to the worst of all of it. Because you may have noticed it's been pretty light Jewish content, kind of weird what comes up, but Ragman is hanging out with a character known as Etrigan the Demon. And Etrigan is a rhyming demon. Um, he's kind of a fun character i think yeah a guy, is his name jason blood is yeah that his real name yeah in real yeah. life and then he says an incantation
1: and becomes a demon and he has been a villain like he has been villainous but he is most fun when he is a an ally of the dc superheroes and totally it, it's usually he- when there's something devilish that a hero can't handle they you know they it's always very dramatic. Like, we will shoot call etrogen. No, don't, you know, you, you know, and Jason Blood's always kind of like, I can't go back to, it, you know, like <laughs> or something. You know, it's just it's very dramatic. But yeah, he's he's a good guy, etrogen, for the most part. He's a beloved Great. DC character, I would say.
0: Yeah. And in this comic, it's like it's fitting. There's a demonic force. And what we're gonna find out is that this demonic force and etrogen are are not on the same side they are <laughs> they're they're fighting and and they're both trying you know edger and at least is trying to convince ragman they're on the same side regardless he's telling he's teaching rory the history of the suit which just to uh, just to review before rebirth the history of the suit is that it was his father's in the holocaust it was passed on to him and later on we found out that it actually went all the way back to the time of Solomon and Moses and Abraham, and that it was an artifact passed down throughout the Jewish peoplehood for time immemorial to come up and protect the Jewish people when necessary. That's what it used to be. That was the story. And now Etcher lets us know that the suit was summoned from some non-earthly realm. Okay, cool. Leaves open the possibility of it being like, Alien. you know, Atsilutes, right? Or 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 like, you know, Kabbalistic, right? It could be Jewish, but it gets hijacked. And Etcher tells us. Stolen high and worn in the most unholy war, though in holiness's name it was wielded. And we see the image of the rags around a crusader from the crusades with a glowing crucifix on the chest, at which point it brings in another DC character that often appears uh, in um in stories involving the demonic or the angelic or things of that nature, a guy known as Shining Knight and Shining Knight sees the crusader wearing the rags and recognizes that the rags are evil or demonic. So he kills the crusader, and he's the one who buries the rags in the tomb. And I think the implication is it's the same tomb, the temple where our uh, Rory and his team were at the beginning of this series. So in review. The rags that were previously established to be a weapon for the Jewish people to defend themselves since biblical times were retconned into being a demonic cloak worn by a crusader who most likely slaughtered countless Jews themselves. It went from being a tool to protect the Jewish people to a tool used to kill Jewish people. And, like, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sure that Ray Fox didn't mean it, but, like, this to me feels oppressive, if not anti Semitic.
1: Of course, he didn't mean it. That's Christian hegemony. He doesn't even realize he's doing something so offensive here. At best, it is Jewish erasure, which we've seen before and we will see again. And at worst, yeah, it's anti-Semitism. Yeah.
0: Like like, the Crusades were not
1: good for the Jews. uh, Thousands of Jews were killed and Muslims in the name of Jesus Christ. They marched all over the world, killing Jews for many centuries.
0: Yeah, like when I got to this, like I read this story with so much excitement for like what Jewish content did we miss? I can't wait. And when I got to this part, I feel like I I texted you the image and like my my heart just fell. It was it's such horrible. a it's like horrific, offensive, terrible. I literally. Feel like I would avoid any comic Ray Fox ever writes again Yeah, um, Which like I recognize that's me having An extreme reaction but like dude You took one of the few Jewish characters I have And took all of his Judaism away from him And like turned a Jewish Again like I'm repeating myself but I, I like I don't have the words for how infuriating it yeah, is Yeah well
1: I mean you know like You know and this is an interesting like conversation You know as we're recording this You know the whole thing with Whippy Goldberg and you know, not understanding Jews as a race, and the Holocaust is 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 happening right now. in this whole like conversation about is this the end of Ra- you know would this be the end of Ray Fox for us, or is this an opportunity to talk to him and explain to him why this is so horrible? And I think I I think we would probably choose that, like if given the opportunity. But it's just it's just bad. It's just not good. It, it, there's it is this one is inexcusable. It's. If you if you want to be clever and know history and throw in the Crusades, you have to know what th- were happening during the Crusades, and you've already established that there is Judaism within this version of Roy Regan. It would be one thing if he just wasn't Jewish character, but he is right. And you're right. quoting the Torah and using Hebrew, then you have. To, I'm sorry, you have to know if you're gonna you know show how smart you are by knowing all that information and that deep cut of ruach tuma. Then I'm sorry you have to know that the crusaders killed a lot of jews. <laughs>
0: but I think, I think it goes back to what you said, Henry, which is that this is like, this is a result of Christian hegemony where they don't even realize why it's offensive. Because again, I'm sure that his thought was the comic makes it abundantly clear that the crusaders are the bad guys shining Knight, Who's like a hero among heroes kills the guy. So he probably was like, look at me doing this good thing and showing how Mm. bad the crusades were. Mm. what he doesn't realize, I think, right. Is like, the emotional impact it has on readers, although, you know, maybe it's just me, you and the people who listen to our podcast, but to have that Jewish character, one of so few who has like an established legacy identity that is interwoven with jewish history and to then take that jewish history and use it to clothe and garb people in the sense of an unholy war in a way is that not what depending on your understanding of whether judaism and christianity branched from each other or christianity branched off from judaism but like doesn't so much of the oppression of Christianity do that. They take Judaism's own history and rituals and use it to bludgeon Jews. Right. Right. They use it like, like it just, it plays into this larger, deeply troubling system where this thing, that's probably just a cool idea for him. There's like no, there's no awareness whatsoever on how this might actually like be a really bad look.
1: I, I would have much rather them completely erased Judaism from Rory. Because then we wouldn't cover it. You know, we you you and I might look at, hey, there was a rebirth series. Then we might thumb through it. Oh, there was no Judaism in it. I think they must have retconned that out. All right, fine. So like I would have been mad about that, but this is way worse.
0: Yeah. 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 It's like we've been upset by things, but I I really don't think we've ever covered anything that has upset me more than this did.
1: Yeah. Same. I mean, we've definitely and we've probably had like bigger outrages, like. You know, outwardly on on you know this yeah. podcast, but there is some. But I, I will. But I'm saying to you, and to everyone out there, this is the most angry I've ever been about something like this in a like poorly done Judaism in a comic ever.
0: Yeah, yeah. and it's it's one of those like um, I don't know if it's because we've in prepping for this episode we like went, ranted back and forth to each other, but it's almost like I'm just uh, exhausted. Sometime. I'm exhausted exactly like I'm so Exhausted that like I might not sound as Angry as I have for other things But in part that's because it's like I was angry About them but like not 100% angry So you can almost like play into the anger And this is like I'm so upset That I'm just drained immediately Right right? like like the number The number of times I've seen tweets this week And others it's like the Jews are tired The Jews are so so tired Like that's how I feel seeing this I'm like I'm just I'm just so tired of seeing it get done So poorly
1: yeah. Well, I mean, th- that's part of the thing. Like, like, you know, as I mentioned before, like not to get too much into like social and po- political issues, but like this thing with with Goldberg, it's like you see it and you're just like, Oh, come on now. Like really? Or, you know, uh, wrestler Brian Kendrick, who, uh, you know, recently was announced to be go he left WWE and is going to AEW. And then it was and then found out that he was making comments denying the Holocaust, you know, and like crazy other crazy anti-Semitic conspiracies. And it's just well, like,
0: I missed that one. You'll have to show me that afterwards. Oh,
1: OK. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that was big news the last last couple of days. But. It's like, oh God, here we go. And of course, you know, any vandalism on several different places in Chicago, you know, synagogues, and yeah, and then of course, you know, in Texas, everything. Like we're we're just like retired of it. And so it's like you and I are trying to unwind (laughs) and read a comic, and you know, this should be like so joyous. And it usually is like finding these things, but it's now it's sort of like we're reporting on this thing that's bad instead of highlighting something wonderful. Instead of being able to say like, look, a Jewish thing. Yay. We're seen, which we love talking about on this podcast being seen here. It's like, I prefer you not to see me here. If this is the way you're going to show me that you see me. Yeah. And that's, and that's why I really understand about like the exhausted things, like
0: really that was our return to Ragman. That was the that was the downer part of the episode. <laughs> We're going to move now from uh, the sadness of Ragman to, really an interesting piece in Moon Knight. And it's a, it's funny, Henry, ever since we did episodes on Moon Knight and Ragman back to back, they've kind of been associated in my mind. And I was just telling you before we recorded, mm-hmm. um, the new trailer for the Disney Plus series on Moon Knight has the Moon Knight costume just like expand outward on him. And I kind of was like, did Moon Knight turn into Ragman? So <laughs> the two continue to be intertwined. But this is like not quite hot off the presses but we are about to cover like the most recent comic we can and that being moon Knight volume (laughs) nine number five but this came out november 17th 2021 so we are covering this just a scant like two and a half months after it came out right so really exciting um Let's go in and see what new new Jewish things have happened to Moon Knight. Uh, once again, this is Moon Knight, Volume 9, number five, entitled Horoscope. Written by Jed McKay, penciled by Alessandro capuccio colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, lettered by VC's Corey Petit, and edited by our boy Tom Brevort. Mm. So we're in the midst of the opening arc of Jed McKay's run on Moon Knight, and a recurring theme throughout this arc has been Moon Knight going to see a therapist and talking things out with his therapist. And he as Moon Knight, as Moon Knight, right? Not not um, Mark Spector, not Stephen Grant, but as Moon Knight. So Moon Knight is talking to his therapist, and he's talking specifically about the difficulty of growing up Jewish uh, and growing up the son of a rabbi.
1: Of course, there's being raised Jewish, and then there's being raised by a rabbi. My father was the kindest, gentlest man I've ever known, but there was never anything kind or gentle in me. He was a man of peace. He hated violence. And I thought that made him weak, a weak man serving an indifferent God.
0: Oh, I like... Jed McKay's dialogue here is just (laughs) on point with like, in a way he's playing a lot with what Max Bemis wrote in his Moon Knight run with Moon Knight struggling with his Judaism and what it meant. And he's also playing, of course, with our first Moon Knight stories we covered, uh, written by uh, Rabbi Zelenetz himself um, of being the son of a rabbi. But like, I really love the way he's articulated it as it's not just that he views his father as, as, as weak, but like, He sees his father hates violence, and he feels like he never sees God responding. So, like, why is he even bother? I I really like this. It goes on, we're not going to read the quotes directly, but it goes on to talk about the Israelites, you know, escaping from slavery, being persecuted so many ways, and that Moon Knight views that as the Jews being weak and not fighting back, but his father frames Jewish survival as perseverance, right? Like mm-hmm. it's something to be envied because they survived, they persevered and they keep things going. But Moon Knight views that as being too weak to fight back. And it reminds me of, if you remember when we covered Sabra and we got into uh, justice, the character mm-hmm. justice and his growing up where he would sit there and he'd be like, but why don't we fight back? And there's this real thing for superheroes wanting to fight, which, you know, I think we talked about it. Then also, there's that tension of like, I actually don't want, I don't want heroes to always solve everything with fisticuffs. Cause right. I, I do believe in talking things out, but anyway, we get that. And then on page 12, moon Knight is really, really struggling with this um, as he acknowledges, like, I didn't think twice to let myself be resurrected by an Egyptian god and start following a new deity, right? He brings up, he finally on the page mentions the tension right. of a Jewish superhero being empowered by an Egyptian god.
1: Right. Well, he I just want to say, like, he's very explicit about it. He said, because because those were our stories, weren't they? We lost our homes, our land, we were enslaved and then escaped out into the desert. And so he's like, really, I don't even think Moon Knight has been even implicit about that tension that you mentioned. And here it's being very ex- explicit. I mean, I think that's, that's one of the most interesting things about Moon Knight is that like his superpowers come from an Egyptian god and he's Jewish. Right, right.
0: And so we're going to kind of come into
1: the end of his monologue here. So all my life, I thought that my father was weak because he was kind and gentle and would never raise a hand in violence, but he would have died before he broke faith with God before recognizing another. You shall have no other gods before me for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. When it came down to it, I was the weak one. I sold out everything I had been raised to believe in to save my own neck, to further indulge my addiction to violence. My father's God took us out of Egypt. My new God has kept us there. That's that's heavy.
0: It's so heavy. It's so like, it's heavy. And yet I love it because it's like, Since I knew Moon Knight was just like we've we're we're beating a dead horse at this point, but like I've been waiting and waiting to see this on panel. I've been waiting so long to see Moon Knight finally acknowledge this, and I'm just like. uh, I love that he finally said it, that someone finally put the words in his mouth. And like that language, like my father's God took us out of Egypt. My new God has kept us there. Wow. Like it it has me thinking of Passover as this ritual time of telling the story. And that part of the real power of Passover is recognizing that like, if God took us out of Egypt, out of Mitzrayim, the narrow place, once God can do it again, that every year Passover, we have the hope of being freed again. And like, now I'm gonna be thinking every Passover like maybe Moon Knight can be freed this time. Maybe mm-hmm. he can be freed from his bondage. Maybe he can finally leave Egypt. Mm-hmm. You know, you read that quote in there so lovely so beautifully, Henry, but <laughs> he's you. he's got he's got that quote directly coming from Aseret Hadib wrote from the Ten uh, Commandments or the Ten Utterances, um, he's quoting Exodus 23 and then Exodus 25 when he says, I, the Lord, am your God, and I, the Lord, am a jealous God, right? Don't have any other gods before me. Like, he's he's purposely contradicting and showing, like, it's very explicit. God says no other gods. And I took a new God from the place God took us out of to mm-hmm. say, right? Like it's, it just like, it, it pinpoints it down. And I'm, I know some listeners, you may or may not have a belief in a deity. You may or may not have a belief in God, but what's relevant here is that within the story and the mythos and the text and the language of the Jewish people, inherent and central to that is the conception of one God who took us out of Egypt. And there have been people who have prayed to that God. And there have been people who have wrestled with that God. And there have been people who've refused to believe in that God, but there's always the one God that gets not believed in or wrestled with or prayed to. And now we have this Jewish superhero who the weirdest thing about him in our very first episode, I'm pretty sure we listened to an interview with Dan slot saying what kind of Jewish role model is moon Knight? He punched his father and serves an Egyptian God. Right. And finally, he acknowledges it and admits it as something that makes him weak and that he admires his father's strength of faith and commitment. But Moon Knight gave it up in a second. Yeah. He
1: seems very comfortable with it too. Even though, I mean, he's talking it out in therapy and uh, I guess the kitchen table, but he seems like very matter of fact about it. It It's like, this is an intense thing. I've definitely thought about it. It's kind of, it's almost like he's talking to us. Like, I know you've been waiting for me to, to address this. I'm addressing it now. Here's how I yes. feel about it. It, yes, it is attention. You know, it makes me nervous about the, the, the moon Knight show. Cause I just don't think they're going to go there. I think they're just gonna, I think they're going to either completely erase it or there's going to be some vague reference. I, to him being Jewish, but I just, I don't see them. Certainly we'll get another mezuzah on the door. Right. Right. In the background. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I I mean, but anyway, I mean, Judd McKay, it's interesting. You know, normally I get annoyed when the Jewish thing in a comic is tied up with either something specifically biblical or God, because like to me, so much of how I experience Judaism doesn't necessarily have to do with any version of God in my day-to-day or the Bible, you know, <laughs> like the Tanakh. like. And so, I, you know, I'm always, I wish they would like have explored, you know, something rabbinic or cultural, right? But here it actually makes sense because it's so specific, it's so specific that this character, like you can't divorce the biblical history of Judaism with the biblical history of Egypt, whether it's complete history or not. And here he doesn't even try. He completely marries them together and says that this is weird and problematic. So yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about Jed McKay. I, I don't know his writing unless, you know, I'm sure maybe I've read something that you've pointed out to me
0: before but fun fun fact henry not that there was that much but he was also the writer of the black cat series in which we saw the photo from the thing's wedding
1: oh that's fun so he (laughs) was the writer of last in last episode episode also Also. i I listened very closely (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> i should go back and uh and listen to that sorry jed <laughs> <right. I'm> <laughs> but but uh, no but i mean you know i'm, I'm sort of joking but I, I really am appreciative of jed mckay like that's great you know we spend a lot of time talking about you know the great jewish writers like bendis and, and rucka but you know and i don't actually i shouldn't assume i don't know jed mckay's religion so i shouldn't assume that based on his name but you know he he really did a uh, he really did a mitzvah here.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, we couldn't have two sort of better uh, comparisons when it comes to Jewish representation, right? Like Ray Fox's example of the opposite of what you should do, the worst thing you could possibly do. Like, please, just don't even bother writing about Jews if you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And this, like really well thought out, respectful. You know, it's actually very funny because I think Henry that the the first time you and I looked at this issue, we both were like, yeah, it feels pretty minor, like I wish there was more, mm-hmm. which gets back to what you said of like maybe we always get greedy for more. And then I think the more we sat with it and the more we we didn't just rush through the issue but actually read those words, it was like, wait a minute, this yeah. is huge. Yeah. And it's just it's really wonderful. It is I think a really uh, positive and affirming direction to be able to go in. Um, and so positive and affirming that we can even forgive the fact that, uh, that when it said God and the quote, for some reason, it said G dash
1: oh. <laughs> Like what, why did he, was he cutting and pasting from safaria or something or not, not even safaria? Like, was he cutting and pasting from I, I I'm just gonna say it. I think G dash D is stupid. I I I know plenty of people write it when they're writing out God, and we're trained to do it. But God is the word God. G O D is not one of the Hebrew or Jewish God's names. It's an English word, and yeah. so you don't need to put the dash in. It's just or you know. L R D, you know, for Lord, like it's it's dumb. And so seeing it a comic, he didn't need to do that. But okay, fine. It's not. Yeah. I, I think it's stupid in general. I don't think it's necessarily stupid here. I'm sorry if it, if you write G slash D and you're and you're offended by this. I really, I'm not trying to offend you. I just think it's it's unnecessary. That's all. Well,
0: when you when you look at the mitzvot that are suggesting, right, the commandments say not to to take God's name in vain and not to write it out, it's usually. You know, originally talk about the tetragrammaton of Yud vav and not writing that out. And 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 Jews became so weary of writing it out that they would, you know, write yud yud instead, right? For like Adonai. They would say mm-hmm. Adonai and and they would write Yud Yud. Mm-hmm. And then like even Adonai, like that started to become like so much of God's name that I was like, well, maybe we shouldn't write that out so much. So then you start getting to something like Hashem, right? Like the name. Okay, mm-hmm. now we're getting very, very safe. Or you get it to 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 God in English. And then people are like, oh God, like I know it's a word, but like that's God. So I, I want to do Jesus. G- it just, it feels like we keep coming up with new words to make it okay. And then those new words get used so much that we're like, oh no, we got to protect this new word. Right. And um, it's, what I like about it is that it's almost a sense of contagious holiness. Like God's right. holiness is just sort of like expanding outward and outward. So I agree with you. I think it's a little silly. I I don't ever, like I have no problem writing G-O-D. I don't think it needs to be G-D. And I can kind of sit back and be like, that's kind of neat that that
1: happens. (laughs) I mean, I you know, I went to Orthodox Jewish day school, and you know, if you know, the problem with that was that like things like Jewish history were taught from an Orthodox Jewish perspective, and so you weren't necessarily learning actual history. And like, if we're ever like writing about something in English, like even in like a rabbinic class or something, like if we were were encouraged to write G slash D. Like I don't think if I ever wrote G O D, like I would get a circle and a line through it, and, like points off. But like it was certainly part of the culture to to write G slash D, and I, it didn't occur to me to to think whether that was unnecessary or not. But I certainly do now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but it's not Jed McKay's fault. He did a great job. Like really, you know, this could have gone totally the other way. Like assuming. I don't know if Jed McKay what kind of research he did or 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 whatever, but that's a very tough line to walk. Whereas you're referencing something that is potentially super problematic. Like if this had been written a dozen other ways, it would have been bad. We would have been yelling about it. Like if you know, just he had completely denounced Judaism and said that you know his Egyptian god is better and bad. I don't know. Like there are a million ways this could have gone badly. And referencing something that's problematic and having and um, not making it worse, but actually just opening up a conversation about it is really hard to do. And that's just good writing.
0: It's very good writing. And I find myself wondering the degree to which we should be appreciating what happens when a Jewish author writes a Jewish character and then what that sets the next author up for. Because I'm just thinking that, again, the the preceding run of Moon Knight was written by Max Bemis, the front man of the band say anything. And someone who's been very public about his Judaism and is not afraid to write about his uh, struggles with it, his neuroses regarding it, right? Like he, he gets into the thick of it and he covered some issues that were challenging and difficult and really engaged with Moon Knight's Judaism. That was probably also a creative way of engaging with Max's own Judaism. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, I wonder if we would get this amazing Jed McKay issue if Judaism had not been such a prominent feature in the most recent run, Mm. right? It's like when a new writer takes on a character, my understanding is that A, they have their pitch for what they want to do with it, but B, they probably go back and they do research on the character or they have editors who are doing things or they go to one of those Marvel encyclopedias to be like, well, what are the things they need to know about Moon Knight? And certain things get featured. And obviously something that happened in one comic once upon a time in 1986 in one panel and never gets referenced again is not going to be as important as something that gets repeated by future authors. So when Moon Knight's Judaism gets, you know, written about by Rabbi Zelnitz and then picked up by uh, in a more recent one, right? Like Bendis had one image of it, but he didn't really write about it. And then Max Bemis writes about it. Like, I think the fact that it was so fresh in being relevant, right? In the same way with the thing, once he's out as Jewish, it just like keeps popping up. And then it's at his wedding and now it's popping up and it just like keeps appearing and appearing and appearing. Um, So I just think that there's there's maybe something really wonderful that when we present more of the characters' Judaism, I wonder if that makes the next or the subsequent writers more likely to also represent their Judaism.
1: Mm-hmm. I'll go with that. I mean, we you know we were talking about in the last episode just how you know when we saw that thing, you know the the thing image that it's part of the canon now that like so maybe yeah I mean and you know maybe it to a certain degree Marvel because it's one long continuous universe and story for the most part, there's more attention to, you know, the Marvel Bible, you know, the character Bible kind of yeah, thing yeah. Uh, than in DC. I don't know, but um either way, it was great. I'm, I'm really yeah. pleased. i was happy wonderful. we're ending on a high note here.
0: We're ending on this high note. Cause Henry, believe it or not, we are running out of time. We thought, that this return to Heroes Pass was just going to be a sequel. But surprise, surprise, listeners, it's going to be a GD trilogy. (laughs) G slash D Uh, trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a G slash D trilogy. A God trilogy? Yes, Will Eisner (laughs) wrote it. Um, No. (laughs) Um, We're going to cover, we're going to continue this review of characters. We've got some smaller stuff and it's really special treat in store for next episode. But really lovely to spend some time again and to return to Ragban and Moon Knight. Can't wait to see who we return to next time. But until then, I'm Brandon Bernstein. I'm Henry Bernstein. No, no relation. relation.
1: You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Jewish Comics Pod. Or you can email us at Jewish Comicspodcast at gmail.com.